Greetings and welcome to On Frame Radio, a conversation about arts with hosts Alejandro and Michael. You are listening to CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon or around the world on cfcr.ca. You can also leave your contributions or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Our guest tonight is Joseph Anderson. Joseph currently has an exhibition called Portraits on at SkyUp Gallery downtown, actually right beside CFCR here. Uh, Joseph graduated in 2008 with his MFA from the University of Saskatchewan. He's shown at the Mendel, at SkyUp previously, and at Francis Morrison Library to show a few. Thanks for joining us today, Joseph. Thank Welcome. you. Thank you. So, Joseph, this is, to my understanding, your second show at SkyUp? Yes, that's right. So what has the process been like working with them? It's actually been really fantastic. I first uh, showed at SkyUp, I guess it was three years ago, and um, I had been approached um, about possibly doing a show. And because this was sort of a different space, and because I knew that I didn't have an actual curator that was working with me, I thought I wanted to try something a little bit different. So I'd always had this idea about painting uh, portraits, which is not something that I'm used to doing or something that I've known to do. But I had done a series of works before called uh, Ten Cautionary Tales, and it was um, portraits of people. And one of the portraits specifically was of a bearded person. It was actually a self-portrait. And so I really liked the way with the, you know, with the, with the painting, the way the sort of the skin looked as contrasting with the beard. And I thought I should do a whole series of bearded men. And so over a, a period of, I think it was almost a year, I was approaching many different people. I was approaching strangers and uh, acquaintances, and I would just ask them to be models for this exhibition. And um, that's how that first exhibition came about. It was called Men with Beards. And I think it was a series of almost, I think it was maybe 15 or 16 paintings. And that's how that first show started. It was, uh, it was really great. So what was that process like of approaching people to be models? Were they people you knew or was this just sort of like strangers on the street? It was difficult. It was difficult at the beginning. Actually, many of the people were strangers. Some of them I met just on campus because I was working there at the time. I found right from the beginning that it would I could tell right away if someone was interested or not interested. They were either, uh, I, I think they all either felt really uncomfortable or else they either said immediately, oh, yes, that sounds really interesting. And so I came down to a little bit later to discovering that if I asked other people that I knew to ask people they knew, that actually worked a lot better. So by the end, I was approaching uh, friends and saying, do you, do you know who this person is? Do you see that bearded guy over there? Do you know who he is? And they would approach them for me. And it worked way better. It worked way better. Oh, really? That's very interesting because uh, finding models, uh, some, I, I might guess that putting an ad in Kijiji won't, won't help, eh? Maybe not, yes. <laughs> I, could, I should try it actually next time. But uh, yeah, it seemed like having people ask their friends worked the best because they had that connection. As opposed to me, which was a stranger to them, uh, that would be more difficult. But, but some of the people in the original bearded portraits were people that I knew specifically, or people that I worked with even. So for this show, it's portraits again, but not all bearded men this time. So exactly. Has this again been people you've known or people that you've 
known through people. The the new portraits, which I just simply called portraits, because I had an idea that they wouldn't all be bearded men, but I very much fell back into that familiar territory of painted men with beards. And many of them actually were people that I didn't know. I, I did also paint two women this time. One right. of them was uh, someone that I knew, uh, a former classmate of mine when we did our MFAs together at the university, and then someone that I worked with. And luckily, this other woman that I worked with, she had several people who she said, these are, you know, these are other people who may be interested in being models for you. And so while I had this grand plan about painting, you know, both men and women, it, it, it narrowed down a little bit again to, to bearded men, mostly because that's what I'm really interested in doing. I like, as I said, I like being able to paint the difference with the watercolor between the, the skin tones and in this place there was clothing as well and the beard, just trying different brush strokes to see what would happen. So then Joseph, because you've been working from photos that you've taken of the models, oftentimes they're seeing the works for the first time in the exhibition. Right. Can you speak a bit about what it's like to see their reactions during an opening when there's often others around? Right. Well, when I did my first exhibition in 2013, the Men with Beard show, actually quite a few of the models came because they were there in Saskatoon. And it, it felt like a range of reactions. Like, uh, um, uh, I think sometimes people were surprised at what they were seeing. I think sometimes people felt a, a sense of pride that they were part of the project. And I'm, I'm pretty sure in that first show there was a couple times where uh, they, they weren't quite sure how to react and that they were a little put off by the way that I had portrayed them. And actually, as a sort of a side note, I had, in the first show that I did in 2013, I had done a certain uh, portrait of, of someone, and afterwards... I was looking at it, and I even asked someone that else had seen it, and I said, if this person sees this work, because I have portrayed them in a certain way, will this person be offended, do you think? And they said, I don't know, but it's possible. So I, I literally got rid of the portrait, and I redid it, and I mm -hmm. sort of, I guess, prettied them up is the best way to put it. Um, got rid of some some characteristics about their uh, about their face that I thought maybe they will think that I'm making fun of them, which is not my intention. So I actually literally redid a, a portrait the first time. So then there is this different consideration that comes in because it is people you know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's so for this the show that, that that's up now, um, again, I know some of the people have seen their work. Um, one of the portraits, or one of the, the, the sitters, actually, the models, I've actually done two different images of this person. One is facing forward and one is sort of off to the side. And um, uh, he had, you know, I had emailed all the, the, the models and said, you should come to see the show. And this person said, well, why don't you send me the images that you did? And so I sent both, and he responded with a definite, yes, I like the other one better, not mentioning the, 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 the second painting. And I thought, that's interesting. And when I looked back at them again, I could see, well, yes, of course he would like this image because it was a bit more of a flattering image than the other one. So hmm. while, I'm, while I'm just simply trying to create the image and trying to be as true as I possibly can to the image that I've taken, the photograph, um, yes, there is a different uh, reaction knowing that people are coming to see it and, it and it's part of their own life because it's literally their image. So I, I do try to think about that as well. Sometimes a little more than I should. And do you include a self-portrait in any of them? I didn't this time. Um, th 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 now that you mentioned that too, in the first show that I had done, 
I had a plan and I actually even drew out myself because I was going to be, you know, as a bearded person myself, you can't see that in Radio Land, but here they can. Um, I was going to include myself. And then at the last minute, someone who I had asked um, to be a model had sent in a photograph and said, oh, I hope I'm not too late. And it was this really great, like, red beard from this guy from Regina. And he said, oh, I can't not include him. So um, I missed my chance. And then again, I could have done it this time. But, you know, as usual, I was, uh, you know, rushing to, to get things done. And I didn't add myself a second time. So I think maybe the third third portrait show... Um, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, your choices of it's sort of a classical look to the portraits some of them you look at old illustrations and then you just see some influences of that do you want to just uh, talk a little bit about that i think that's a really good point because when, when you really look at them they're they're actually rather um traditional in the way that as you said for the most part it's a very straightforward look the person in the in the image is looking directly towards the viewer and i chose many of those specifically to try to get that connection between the audience and the model and also to remind the people that the the artist themselves spends very long periods of time looking at the the source material because I take photographs of the model I don't work from life I photograph them and I work on my own in my studio there's many long hours of the artist sort of just staring observing the image and I want the audience to understand that as well, which is why there's that eye contact from the model to the person that's looking at it. But I find interesting and to talk a little bit more about that relationship that you create with the characters that could be live models. You also in the exhibition, you included other characters that you have a relationship, but it's a different relationship, like the actor from Superman. Right. Yes. Yeah. So along with the, the, the real people that I was doing, um, I, I had this idea about painting uh, images of, of people from movies, as you said. So Margot Kidder was, uh, of course, the actress that, that played Lois Lane in the original 1978 version of Superman, something that was one of the first movies that I had ever seen. Not in the theater, I don't think. It could I have saw been... it in the theater. Did you see it in the theater? Yes, I, I, did. I was. I was. I'm old enough to have seen it in the theater, but I think I saw it maybe like at a cub scout thing on vhs or something like that i i have this this memory of that but i i was just amazed at, at the at the movie it was just really terrifying and and uh, and exciting and all these things as opposed to relating to superman which seemed like this sort of idealized person i was more interested in lois lane she was seemed like a more interesting person and um, she was a little more quirky, and I kind of like that the, the kind of uh, spunky nature that she had as well. And, and she so, was Canadian, wasn't she? And she was Canadian, that's right, yeah, which is really great. So what better way, you know, honor uh, the Canadian Lois Lane, Margot Kidders, by doing this, the, this other portrait with her. And, of course, along with Lois Lane, I also chose other images of, uh, I guess, actresses that usually play the hysteric in, in movies like uh, Veronica Cartwright, also Shelley Duvall. And I wanted to create those kind of uh, images of, uh, I guess, no, not so much terror, but maybe like anxiety and, and create these really quick sketches with them in it as well. So then for me, there sounds like there's a difference in intimacy then in what you're doing. In one set of images, there are people that you have actually met but right. that you don't necessarily know. And the others are people that you've never met, but that you have formed some form of emotional relationship with. So I'm wondering if you can just tell us a bit about if that creates a different process when you're making the paintings then. That's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, exactly. If you see the exhibition, you may notice that the, the portraits of the real people 
they're much more detailed and have a bit more of a, a realistic nature to them, mostly because I spent much more time with them working with the source material and trying to get something that was a little more real. Whereas the portraits of the of the movie heroines, they were a bit more sketchy, almost like uh, almost like quick drawings. In a way, like I am using watercolor, which of course is a painting material, but often I feel like I'm doing more drawings technically than I'm doing paintings, mostly because a lot of the work, especially with the the, the images of the movie scenes, are are much more I guess quick and rough and illustrative in style. By doing that, also it creates that kind of a look of the moving image. Um, as if you're not quite seeing everything as uh, as clearly as you would if you were looking at a real person. Instead, you're maybe just catching something as it's going across the screen really fast in a really quick uh, edit. The portraits are, are, are different in the two scenes, um, not only in what I'm depicting, but also in the way that I'm painting them as well, for sure. And the other block of uh, paintings or watercolors that are in the other wall, there's sort of a narrative that they are playing with sort of a body that is organic, that it could be their body, but it also could be a form that they are just uh, attached to them or they're just playing with it. What is, what does that, what is the meaning of that, that or what do you want, how do you want the public to react to that? Though the other series, which is Misfit, they were from an, an, an earlier show. And um, I, I always think it's good to bring out works that you haven't you know, been seen in a while. And I think it was 2009 when I made those. And they literally have been sitting, you know, in my closet since then. So, you know, bring those out of the closet, as they say. And it was great to have those out again to be shown. But the series are images of, uh, I guess, children or toddlers. And they're interacting, as you said, with sort of strange bodily objects that could be creatures, strange vegetables, some kind of like non-human form. But, but I did them specifically in the style of like illustration. So I wanted them to look as if you were finding them in a children's book. And I guess that could be seen as both sort of funny and also a little bit disturbing because the images themselves are not really explained. I like the idea of the viewer having to come up with their own narrative of what is actually happening. The The interactions of the of the children with these, with these objects, with these creatures could either be playful or maybe they could be maybe a little more sinister or uh, uh, disturbing. Hopefully the, the viewer will come up with their own idea what that would be. And I also noticed, and we were commented with, with Michael when we went and saw the exhibition, that your choices of mounting this exhibit and the design of the exhibit, why did you choose? The audience might be curious to understand why were your choices. They are small compared to the right. big space, but then they work very nicely. It just uh, makes it very intimate that you need to get close to the, to the prints. Oh, that's a good point. Yes, exactly. I guess the one good thing that is because I had exhibited before, and so I did have to go back to the space and sort of revisit it, but I had this memory of how it looked before with that one long wall, which I knew where those main portraits would probably go. And I actually brought even more work that I thought that I would maybe show and didn't put it in, in, in the exhibition. I also buy the main portraits have a, series, a few series of the smaller studies, which I had done for the portraits as well thinking that there may be an opportunity to put them up in some way and somehow it just sort of fit in the space. And actually Skype has a really interesting and uh, fantastic space to show because it you're able to break up the work um, because there's almost like physical breaks in the space itself. There's that one long wall and then it kind of turns a 
little bit, which can create its own space. On the opposing wall, there's that pillar that sort of runs right between. You know, even if you don't think that there's the three series, it literally made a physical barrier between the three spaces. And it, I, I think it just worked really well that way without even having to tell people that there are three different representations of three different series. It, it was there at fit in that spot. In terms of some of the aesthetic choices as well, the majority of your prints are hung with bulldog clips and mm-hmm. thumbtacks. I thought that was an interesting aesthetic choice. We both went through the University of Saskatchewan and I remember there how even sometimes for student exhibitions, students will be reticent to use sort of that low-tech approach and right. frame or use magnets. And I'm generally someone who appreciates that and you know not taking it too seriously, I guess. And so I'm just wondering if you can speak about you know, sort of the choices you made in terms of that's a good point because I, I while I do like framing work and I think a lot of the times it looks really fantastic I think a lot can be said as you say about those low-tech way of showing things one of the reasons why I like to not frame my works and I often don't actually is because I want people to have that physical connection with the work specifically with the paper because when you're working with watercolor, as I do, the, the water, of course, soaks into the paper. It makes it wrinkled. It makes it move. It makes it feel a little more alive. And trapping it behind a frame, um, in the glass in the frame, I think it takes away a little bit of that uh, physicality of it. So when it's there, when it's physically there outside and it's simply just pinned on the wall or if it's uh, clipped up um, with, with, with those clips, I think it gives it more of a presence within the space. And I think it feels a little more real to what the audience actually sees and experiences. Well, sure. And then you talked about that familiarity with the space. And you've sh- as you mentioned, you've shown with Sky before. This is a gallery that is, again, a fairly approachable gallery and one you've chosen to have multiple exhibitions with. I'm just wondering sort of the motivations behind your choice to show at Skype again and, and why they're a nice gallery to work with. <laughs> right. Well, I do have to make a confession first. I'm actually a very lazy artist when it comes to making work. I'm more of a, I'd like to say that I was a so-called studio-driven artist, meaning that I'm someone that goes to the studio, I work at a certain time, I'm creating work constantly. That would be fantastic. But I'm more of an exhibition-driven artist, if you know what I mean. There's a goal in the end, there's, there's something that I'm working towards, and that makes me sort of get past my usual procrastination to actually get some work done. So when the opportunity approached again to show a Sky app, it was really great because I knew that I was able to get sort of beyond that idea of a curator directing what I was actually doing and just work something on my own and create an exhibition that that felt a little more personal to me as opposed to being directed. With SkyApp, it it is great because they focus a lot on uh, emerging artists and and people that maybe have never shown at all before. That also gives you an opportunity to meet with a different audience as well. If you're dealing with, for example, you know, an exhibition at the Mendel, there's a certain group that would go there. If you're, you know, at the Francis Morrison Library, which I've shown at, that's a, a different audience as well and then also at SkyApp which is a different kind of space you're not only interacting with people that would go to art galleries but also people that um, maybe have not been to galleries before people that are simply downtown and also the students that actually work there SkyApp as well they have an opportunity to see and experience an, an artist's work full-time so I, I, I really think it's a fantastic uh, space really for anyone especially those that haven't had a lot of experiences working with uh, you know making work before and exhibiting their work for those 
listening. This is on Frame Radio, and our guest tonight is Joseph Anderson on CFCR 90.5 FM. So then, Joseph, just to ask one more question about your exhibition, you talked about the physicality behind watercolor paint. I, I know, I remember talking with you even when you were doing your master's degree and how within an academic space, watercolors are not always the preferred method. Right. <laughs> I'm wondering if you can speak a bit about why you've, why that is something that you come back to, but also a bit of that challenge of finding acceptance for what can be considered, you know, a lower art medium than oil painting, for example. No, that, that's definitely something. When I, when I was a, a student, certainly in um, my undergrad degree, I was working with a lot of acrylic and, you know, other of my classmates were working with oil paints, and that seems like to be the academic standard. That's something that's usually accepted. And I actually had always worked with watercolors, but just not in an academic way. I'd done it when I was younger, and I sort of just saw it as something that was sort of fun. But yes, as you say, when I first approached my instructors about using um, watercolor in my undergraduate degree, it was not, I, I think they were a little surprised. And one of them even said to me, uh, well, you know, I, I can't help you with that. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know how to assist you. And I just simply had to say, oh, well, I, I think I can do it. It's, it's fine. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just work on it myself. But as I began to, maybe not so much my undergrad degree, but when I went in to do my graduate studies here at the U of S, and when I was finally pushed to work a little bit bigger, I think that's when not only other people around me, hopefully, but certainly myself began to see it more of like in an academic way of saying this is something that can be used to, to, to tell a story, would also be used as more of a, something that would take a little bit more seriously. I do move back and forth between very large work and very small work as well. And so the scale for me is important mostly because I'm making a lot of references to literary things like fairy tales and uh, children's books. So creating paintings that are in the size and the style of those sort of illustrations are important to me. And then also doing the opposite of blowing them up into something that's much bigger, often bigger than you would normally see. Like, for example, my, my series that I did in my, my graduate studies was a series of children, but they were, you know, they were tall. They were nine feet tall. So to overpower the audience instead. So jumping back and forth between those, uh, those, those sizes also is, uh, I, I think, a way to challenge the viewer about rethinking in watercolor in a different kind of way. And I was going to ask you that same question. If, if you can just give us more work that you do in large scale, mm -hmm. because I don't think we have seen a lot of that in, in, in some of the galleries after you graduated. Right, right. Is you choose watercolor because of studio <laughs> space and because it's very portable? Is that one of the reasons why it's also part of your practice? That's part of it. And there, there can be a real spontaneity with watercolor, which I really like. You know, you're right. It is one of the, the, the reasons why I chose to use it as well. Um, and again, that's sort of my, um, like I often enjoy going back to things that I, that I did when I was younger, whether it be things that I'm reading or, or looking at and, uh, and certainly the, the kind of material that I was using at the time as well. And watercolor was something that I associated a lot with my own childhood and my own uh, sort of like experiences when I was uh, growing up as a younger person. Pushing to make things larger, part of it is to sort of challenge that idea of what the, the paint can do for myself. And part of it also is, uh, you know, working within the space that you have. When, you're, when you have sort of a, a larger space at the, at the U of S campus, when I was doing my graduate studies, it was a little easier to work bigger because I had that space to move and to, to push it away. And uh, in the times that I've had studios here as well, I was able to do that. 
as opposed to shifting to uh, working at home, as some artists often do, as I have certainly done in many times, that sort of shifts the way that my, uh, the scale of my work as well. But I do hope to continue creating some larger works, which I have done in the past, just not recently. Well, then speaking of some of those possible directions, po- the Skype show is on. For- so speaking about some of those future directions, your Skype show is on for one more week. Do you have plans of where you would like to see your work go after? I would actually, I would like to do more portraits and, and larger scale portraits. I, I actually, that's interesting you brought that up because when I was doing the Sky Up show and I had a series of the smaller works, two of the portraits actually were going to be rather large and I had them all sketched out and they were ready to go. But for some reason, I couldn't quite figure out why I was doing it with just these two. And they seemed sort of strange and out of place, so I sort of abandoned them and just kept going with the smaller ones. I would like to try to do something larger. And a few years ago when I had shown at the the Sherwood branch of the Dunlop Gallery, I had done a very large-scale painting as well based on Hieronymus Bosch's uh, Garden of Earthly Delights. And that was a, a real challenge because it was the largest painting I've ever done, but it also made me want to do more, again, something bigger. So that was my plan, is to hoping to do some sort of large-scale work again. I have well. also seen you work in live. You have done workshops, and I have. Uh, I remember there was a, an award, a Saskatchewan Arts Board or, or something that right. you were doing. How, how was that experience <laughs> of you working live with an audience that is uh, snooping <laughs> to see what you're doing? And, and you start and you don't have an idea, and then you need to create something at until the end and then it get auctioned for everybody it, it was yes that's right it was the the the, the saskatchewan um uh, uh what was it the the the, the, the lieutenant governor's lieutenant award Governor's yes right I, I have to tell you it was a real challenge to do that i bet it was i was not used to working with that kind of audience because they literally in the in sort of the breaks between they were like broadcasting it showing a, a screened version up up on the you know up on the wall as i was painting and even though I, I did have a very light sketch, you're right, I, I didn't really know what it would look like at the end. I found that I was literally just pushing myself as hard and as fast as I can go to, to finish the work by the deadline, which was, you know, yeah, and they said it's being auctioned off at the end. So there was no like getting around that it had to be finished. It was a challenge because whenever I'm painting, I often think, oh, I can finish something or I can do this much in this amount of time. And it always takes me longer. I find no matter how much I push myself, the painting only gets finished as fast as I do it. And that's usually not very fast. That was a really fun experience, and I'm glad that I did it. And it, uh, but it was a real challenge to finish that. So probably no more plans for live painting. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I have no more plans for live painting. I, I, you know, if someone can do that, that's fantastic. it. Was beautiful. Oh, thank you. You did a great job. It was almost like a performance, wasn't it? Was, it? So it was. It was a performance. Was really totally. Odd. Yeah, but no, that's not my plan in the future. No. <laughs> Fair enough. But you'd also talked about how your works are often referencing children's books. Any plans on the illustration front or any desires in that area? Kind of in relation to that. Um, in the past, I've done a couple of artist books, which I, which were a huge pleasure to do. Interestingly enough, um, I am finishing a new artist book right now which is a combination of many different collaged things, some written, some, uh, some actual real paintings, and some pieces of uh, printmaking from being a student before. And it literally, 
this again shows the procrastination quality that I have. I started this artist book in 2005. And so 2015 seemed to be an appropriate, you know, a <laughs> 10-year um, project later. It, it, it's not going to be very substantial, but it contains elements of everything that has happened in the past 10 years, including being a student here at the U of S, including uh, starting new jobs, little pieces of things when I was in Lethbridge or where I was in 2005 when I started. So that's my plan is to, by the end of, that's my goal is the end of 2015, I'm going to have this uh artist book finished and then I actually have more ideas about other things coming up so making connection to those literary things I want to be illustrating sort of the my own books uh, in the future because I have ideas hopefully I can push myself forward again so sky app is open uh, between 10 30 and 6 during the weekdays on Tuesdays and Thursday evenings, they're actually open till 9 p.m. because they have the art drop-in program where anyone can actually go in and work with any of the materials that are there. And on Saturdays, it's also open from 1 o'clock until 6, closed Sundays. And yes, it's because I've offered all of the models the opportunity to purchase their own work if they would like to. Of course, I'm giving them the chance to actually come and see them in person to see if they want to do that. If, if people are interested, they could just simply um, contact and talk to Jane at SkyApp, and she's happy to uh, act on my behalf. Great. And if they want to get a hold of you, is there an email address or anything you'd like to throw out there? You know, actually, you get me um, at my university, my trusty university web, joseph.anderson at usas.ca. You can usually track me down there. I work in the College of Arts and Science, so I'm always hanging around. So Joseph's show, again, is up at SkyApp on the 200 block of 3rd Avenue South. This has been Unframed Radio. I'm Michael for Alejandro. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Joseph, for being with us tonight, and thank you for the wonderful audience that listens to us every evening. Thank you so much. I had a really great time. Thanks for having me on.